the Fitness Hacks Podcast, Episode 26. Today, we're joined by Coach Fury. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. Breaking down fitness and the fitness business with some of the best names in the industry. And here are your hosts, Corey Lefkowitz and Ryan Heenan. You're never going to get anywhere in life if you just sit wondering, if you don't take the active step. And that step's not just going to get thrown your way. You have to start pursuing it. Unicorns, Kung Fu, Hardcore Punk, Henry Rollins, Skateboarding, and Kettlebells. What do all of these have in common? They were all discussed on our show today with Coach Fury, who gave a great, passionate overview of his views on the fitness industry. It was such an authentic conversation, and that's actually one of the main things we talk about is being authentic and being yourself and helping your clients or, you know, even when you come into a gym, you know, appreciate the journey and find that community so you can achieve success. And this has come up in multiple podcasts, and it's the idea of getting out there and taking action and going and doing something. And Coach Fury has done that since the very start of his fitness journey. So let's jump right into his fury and learn about creating fitness nerds and ninjas. Today, we're joined by Fury. Fury, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your fitness journey and what led to your passion for fitness? Hey, Ryan and Corey. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I basically got into fitness through becoming a dad. I, I had lifted weights in college, fell out of shape uh, as an adult and was still skateboarding and doing BMX stuff, but I found that it was beating me up more than it was actually like keeping me fit. And then when I had my daughter, I just felt like my back hurting one day when I was holding her. So I made the decision then that I was going to be a strong parent and signed up for the local gym the next morning and just made that a ritual. And it's just sort of like my progression through that as an enthusiast is what sort of led me to this career path as a coach. This was my second sort of phase, late phase in life. What did you first dabble in when you were learning to train yourself? Uh, I did the traditional like three days on, one day off, back by tries, splits, and all that stuff uh, that I had from a, I think it was a Weeder book back in the day, like how I trained in high school and college. And then I started doing that. And then through skateboarding, I had blown my knee out. And a friend of mine had talked to me about trying martial arts. I, I was really into martial arts. I wanted to make martial arts movies, actually, not as, a, as an actor, but as a director. And we finally found this Muay Thai place called Five Points Academy. And when we got there, I found kettlebells. So once I took a class, it's actually, it's funny. Today is actually the seven-year anniversary that I started at Five Points. Um, thank you, Facebook Memories. And... I took a kettlebell class about three weeks after signing up, and I just it made so much sense to me uh, how efficient uh, it was in terms of time consuming. Like I was spending like an hour and thirty minutes six days a week at the gym as a dad. Like I just didn't have that time. So if I could do that in less time, uh, and then there's as a skateboarder, uh, the simplicity of what a kettlebell is. I mean, just a ball with a handle just really spoke to me. And uh, man, I, I'm shocked at where it's taken me. You really got into the functional movement and the basics, and now you teach for DVRT, you teach for original strength, you're RKC certified. How did you go from that first love of the kettlebell and just the, the little ball with the handle to doing all those different things? <laughs> oh, it's really funny. It started because uh, uh, it was just a passion thing. I just really wanted to get good at kettlebells. And Five Points Academy has still an awesome kettlebell program. And I wanted to learn the Turkish getup 
and I wanted to get like I was still getting some lower back stuff with my swing. And I couldn't afford at the time personal training, but they had an HKC kettlebell certification coming up. So I figured, well, I can't really afford one-on-one training, but maybe I can afford $500 for a whole day and did that. And that was sort of like how I started branching into taking workshops. But through that, my buddy Gavin Van Vlack, who owns a a gym in Bushwick, a physical culture collective, was just uh, saw me with kettlebells and was like, dude, you need to check out these sandbags. And that was my introduction in ultimate sandbag training. And at that point in my previous career, I would just be like, okay, these things are cool. Who created it or who's the head coach on it? When are they coming to town or where do I have to go? And I would just follow stuff that I was interested in. And I, luckily, I just, however it happened, I made like really smart choices then without even knowing that I was. So that's how I got into sandbags. And through that, it was like I found about TRX. And it was just this odd path of stuff that I thought was cool. And I guess I definitely was drawn to things that were not of the mainstream because I saw with kettlebells, like I could go to a mainstream gym and do all the stuff we traditionally do. Uh, I actually probably do some more of that now than I used to. But then what are all these other things that might be these amazing, beneficial I don't want to say shortcuts, but better methods. And that just sort of sent me down the path of like trying to learn more and find more. And then later, like now I teach, I certify HKCs. I'm also a master RKC. So the amazing thing now is like I get to share that with people teaching HKCs and RKCs as well as the other stuff. So far, just in the first few minutes, you've name dropped multiple gyms and multiple people. And this seems to be a recurring theme with DVRT instructors. And I think the one big thing is that you got yourself out there and you went to events. Like you said, you committed to committing to the one one day full event. And I think a lot of people who are just starting out are intimidated to go to these because they don't really know what to do when they get there. What advice do you have to people that are wanting to take that leap, but might be a little bit too timid to jump in. You, you just have to go. Everyone there shows up nervous. I've never been, you know, it's interesting when you teach for like the RKC, um, you know, there's a snatch test and no matter how well prepared people come in, how strong they are, how weak they feel, uh, how diesel jacked, whatever shredded, everyone's nervous before that test. So if you just go in there with an open mind to learn, a lot of that fear goes away, or at least it's like a group fear. And then you start to become friends and meet people. It's when you like make too much out of it that you stay out of the room. But like, get in the room and go. You know, Seth told us the same thing. You have to just commit and you have to be open and you have to really show up and be ready to learn. And I think that's great advice because, as you said, everybody's nervous when they come in and it's okay to be nervous. You're going to learn by doing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, when I went for that HKC, I got to admit like pull-ups were not my jam and pull-ups were part of the strength test. So I trained for like three months just to get five pull-ups or chin-ups. And I'd only done one get-up once before that. And I had never coached somebody. I was super nervous getting partnered with people that I didn't know and then having to like actually be responsible for helping them get better at something like that freaked me out, but I learned a ton. So the takeaway was well worth anything uh, that I was nervous about. And then certainly I think as all of us find out from trainers and, and Seth did a great job on his, on his talk, uh, about meshing is it's like, you just start to meet amazing people. So you start name dropping is like, I honestly couldn't be here with like five people. Like I can backtrack it all the way that directly. But I think that's fantastic. And I think that's one element of the fitness industry that sometimes gets overlooked where everyone feels like they almost have the secret knowledge that they don't want to share. And really the more open you are to connecting, the more opportunities you're going to have to meet great people and learn great things. 
Yeah, it's it's true. You just it's it's kind of a wonderful network that I don't think people people on the outside or people that even work with trainers I don't think realize how invested the good trainers are. They are, and they're not only invested in going to the workshops, but you experimented on yourself. You learned by doing. And I think that's such an important thing that you have to sort of experience everything before you're even going to train clients. Oh, completely. Yeah. I was going to say, we have you, you know, learning, dabbling for your own own enjoyment to, to learn how to help yourself better. When did you sort of take the leap and start training other people? So I had been in advertising and visual effects for years. I'm a film major. I wanted to write and direct, but ended up in production um, on the back end of stuff, mostly for commercials. And I had loved the job for a long time and was starting to really feel like my soul was getting destroyed by it um, for many reasons. And I was always thinking of my way out where I wanted to find a passion job. But like owning a comic shop right now is not like a profitable thing. And it's not so much about money. I have two kids. At the time I had uh, – well, actually at the time I had two kids uh, – I wanted to make sure that it was something that realistically I didn't make it, need to make a lot of money in, but I wanted something that I could afford that my kids could like, you know, go to school and whatnot. So I went through the list of things over the time. Like I literally looked up researching opening up a skate park, uh, which would have been completely unrealistic, uh, about maybe partnering up in a tattoo shop. But as the non-artist, I'm like the least important person there. And then finally, as I started training, and it was after that HKC heading in towards training towards my first RKC and my first cert actually with Josh Henkin is that I started realizing that like, maybe I'm getting okay at this because, and maybe I could teach a class. And Steve Millis, who is one of the owners at Five Points Academy, uh, definitely one of my, my top mentors. I, I went up to him one day and I was super nervous about it. And I just asked like, what do you think about me teaching a class? And he said, pass your RKC and you can start the next day. Because I'd been taking so many classes and everybody had clearly seen there was something going on with me and the kettlebells in particular. Uh, And I'm super grateful for that. Um, I actually have to give an earlier shout out. I don't talk about this enough. I used to work with, in visual effects, a guy named Keith Payne, who's one of the co-owners of Nimble Fitness in New York. And Keith's actually the first person that I reached out to because like, I was too afraid to talk to anybody at Five Points. I felt like it was like, maybe it's out of line as a member to ask this. I didn't know that this is kind of a common path. And I went over to Keith, and Keith had seen me both out of shape and now in this transitional phase and was just like super supportive. Uh, I actually trained my first client ever at Nimble Fitness. Um, in preparation to seeing if I could do this for the RKC. Um, so I want to give him and, and the Nimble guys a, sh- a shout out big time because I owe them for that. Um, but yeah, I just started realizing like, hey, I think if I, you know, I'm, <laughs> it's really easy to do the trainer math. Like, hey, I'll build up to like a really high hourly and only have to train three hours a, a day, five days a week. And we all know how well that works out for so many of us, right? Like I won't have to work as much. And now I work five times as much. Uh, but I was just like, I can do something that I can make an, an okay living, I can survive on, and I can legitimately help people instead of necessarily like selling Subway sandwiches, which is valid. And my friends, you know, it's like an art and there's a craft to all that. But for me at that point, I, I just wanted to have a more direct influence on somebody. And that's where it went. Like whatever strength brought to me as a dad, as a human being, uh, I wanted to share that with others. And any, like, I don't know, in some weird way, anything wrong that I might have done in this world or continue to do in this world, like maybe I'm erasing those stairs to hell um, by helping, like, you know, one person at a time. And now with all these workshops and stuff that I get to teach, uh, you know, I, I can help a lot of trainers help a lot of people. And that, that means a lot to me. It's, it's actually an elevator to hell, the stairways to heaven. I mean, I guess it's which way you're going down the stairs, though, right? Like, I, I don't know about, like, Led Zeppelin did some weird stuff. I don't know how... <laughs> what side of the fence some of them are going on. I've heard those roadie stories. 
I love that you got your start by just asking because so often we're we're scared to reach out to people who think, you know, they'll reject us or, you know, they'll look at us like we have three heads. And the thing is, is if we never ask, if we never reach out, we're never going to get anything. And it's like, what's the worst that can happen? You're going to be in the same spot. But if you don't ask, you're definitely going to be in the same spot. So I think that's such a great message to trainers. If you want something, ask, reach out to people, ask for help, ask for a chance, you know? Corey, you said that so much more eloquently than me. Like, that's not just for trainers, right? That's life, right? That's like what we do is bigger than just training people. Like, you're never going to get anywhere in life if you just sit wondering, if you don't take the active step. And that step's not just going to get thrown your way. You have to find a start pursuing it. And that's one of those things. You have to ask questions and be humble about it and, and see what's possible. And if one door shuts, try to find another. You just said it even better. You just had to beat me, didn't you? No, this is going to be like bridesmaid when, when bridesmaids, when they're given the toast and they're trying to one up each other. Well, you win. We're tied. All right. Uh, I win. I'll, I'll take it. So you sort of went from a profession where you were solely behind the scenes to now stepping out in front of the crowd and having an audience. Were there any, uh, parts along that journey that were a little bit hard making that transition? Yeah, because by nature, I'm a crazy shy guy. And that and it's changed, obviously, over the years. But like, I was the shyest, like, I was so shy at school. Like, I remember once, like, in like, maybe it was second grade, I won a like a poetry contest. And I was supposed to go in front of the class to like, in a cafe, in a conference room cafeteria to, to tell it. And I freaked out and didn't do it. And now, especially Mark Fisher Fitness, I'm in like stupid outfits and short shorts telling groups of people what to do in a fitness thing or then traveling and telling groups of like super high end educated trainers, like how to, how to help them do, do certain things. Like it's crazy, but it just came like, I I didn't jump into it. I took, I took baby steps into it. I, you know, you go to courses, you get, you know, the first few you've been there, like you go to a few courses and the first couple are really weird. Cause you're like, it's not just like what you're learning, but it's like the experience of being at a workshop and, and being around other trainers and, and like-minded individuals. And at first it's intimidating. And then you realize like, we are part of this like way bigger family. And then one of the things that I did that I didn't really see as a track, I, in one way to get better at the things that I, I liked was I put myself out there to assist at a lot of workshops and certifications. And in doing that, I was able to see like really great leaders and presenters and educators, how they did their thing, but also got to interact and help teach, um, you know, people on the teams and attendees at these workshops. And that was really where the the being in front of people for me from behind the scenes became like a realistic front because like I got to watch some of the great people do that. And I think so many of us develop our what I call the trainer persona by modeling what trainers we respect do. Completely. You're drawn to the personality types that interest you. Like if, uh, you know, if I use Brett Jones as an example, Brett is an amazing presenter because he's so damn human. Like you, you get Brett, whatever he's teaching about, you get it. So there's uh, that connections made. And sometimes finding the presenters that you relate to, like Dan John uh, is another one. Josh Henkin, certainly you just get them and you're like, not only are they giving me good information, but they seem like really decent human beings. And that's how you start to model yourself. You also realize that they're very much individuals. So that also gives you the personal freedom to be like, well, I can be myself and be professional. And, you know, people will like, you know, either buy into what you're doing, right, and connect with you and make that connection what's awesome. Or you might not be the right fit for that person. And that's cool. If people don't want Godzilla jokes um, 
or, or stupid movie references, like they might be super annoyed by me. But those that get that stuff, you have that connection and it's like, all right, well, we're bonding over something other than fitness. Let's go down this journey a little more together, if that makes sense. Totally. And it's about being genuine and letting people even see that you're human. You know, like I was doing a Facebook Live and I kicked my computer during it because I'm a spaz. But it's <laughs> it's those human elements make people connect with you and in every aspect of life, whether or not you're a trainer, a business owner, whatever. If you're genuine, you really resonate with people more when you're telling them your message. Completely. You need to be authentic. And life is like hard enough as it is to try to pretend to be something other. That is a great quote. That might be my quote of the day now. Oh, <laughs> uh, I got one. See, I, I don't have quotes on deck like Seth. <laughs> that, guy, that guy's a walking quote book, though. <laughs> I, he's got like uh, flashcards with him, I think. <laughs> so you mentioned Mark Fisher Fitness. How did you come to fall into training there? Oh, man. So, yeah, this is another example. Uh, Master RKC Phil Ross had uh, an emergency where he last minute needed an assistant RKC instructor for an HKC kettlebell cert in the city. And I was scheduled to actually work on another cert, but they already had enough help. So I just was like, hey, I'm going to go help this guy out. So I went and I taught with Phil because I just wanted to get to know him a little bit. And there happened to be one of the attendees was a trainer, Jen Frankel, now Jen Bullock, was an attendee there and another ninja, Adrian. And, you know, they went through the course. They did great. And about a week later, they reached out to me about training them for their RKC. And I had never heard of Mark Fisher Fitness, but as I was training them over the you know next couple of months, like they would talk about it and they'd be like, you need to meet Mark. You guys would hit it off so well. And they would talk about like the language and how it's crazy and all that. And, uh, but they were like, you should do workshops. You should do workshops. So I went over and I met Mark and he was actually talking to me about a potential job. And I, I, I was like, not ready to leave five points by any means because I love the place dearly. And then uh, ended up doing a kettlebell get up and snatch workshop for his membership. And then, you know, when things went back to normal and we talked about maybe doing another workshop and then I had a moment where I just realized I, I needed to like shake up my training life. I, I needed to sort of surround myself with um, uh, being part of like a, a kettlebell, very kettlebell heavy gym Sometimes like I wasn't getting exposed to people from like Boyle influence and Cressy influence. And I just wanted to expose myself a little bit more to that stuff and just see how different business models worked. And I reached out to him and he was like, well, we don't have anything for like maybe six months, but we'll keep you in mind. And then he called me like a week later and was like, how soon can you start? And it's been just an amazing change. Like that's been one of the greatest things that's ever happened. I have to ask where you see your future in the fitness industry because so often we talk to trainers and they think the only only way to sort of progress their career is to open their own gym and you've gone from different gyms, you do the the certifications. Where do you see your future and what avenues are there really out there for trainers looking to grow their business? You know, it's interesting because I do feel so in New York, we just opened up our second location uh, for MFF and Bowery and that's where, where I'm based out of now. And clearly like certain cities and states, it's way easier to open up a gym. Not that it's easy to run a gym for anybody, but like rent is insane, right? Like in New York City or Brooklyn, like rent is just insane. So you're already working at a pretty big negative uh, deficit. And when I first was interviewed by Mark, one of the questions he asked me was like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I very honestly was like, probably owning my own facility and, you know, doing this and that. And after a year of being an MFF, I was like, well, I don't think I could do it better than Mark's doing it. And I also see all the good and the bad in it. And I think I'm like quite comfortable now just working on being the best coach I can be. And then all these teaching opportunities started to grow. So 
I see myself in the future doing more workshops and presenting. I'd like to put out some more products to get the word out to people more, more informational, educational products, uh, a book down the line, some more videos. I'm growing my online content, but I definitely want to be like a big part of Mark Fisher Fitness going forward and into the future because we, we're doing a lot of good on, on a level that I just is so beyond just strength training that I wasn't prepared for. Or didn't even know necessarily on what level was out there, if that makes sense. That sounds corny, but it's true. I'll say that makes perfect sense. I mean, Mark Fisher Fitness exploded onto the scene. What makes it so special? What makes it so great? Uh, You know, I got to be honest. It's our approach to humans as humans and all being one and accepting everyone where they're at. As opposed to just trying to like fit somebody into a model or a mold or judge uh, from for me as an employee, it's such it's we're like 100 or 100 percent transparent. Like when something's bad, we all know it. when something's good. We all know it. If I have a problem with an employee or an employee has a problem with with me, we have a crucial conversation and deal with it as opposed to shit talking for months behind the scenes. Right. Like we deal with that stuff. So from an internal team building things, we're 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 working on our communication. Uh, our coaching abilities, uh, both like emotionally and obviously in, in exercise. And we just care so much about helping people because one of the things is we're known as the Broadway gym, but we're also known as like a lot of people that just absolutely hate gyms or have been afraid to go to a gym. We're like the place where we make them love the gym because we can meet anybody where they're at and we're not going to judge them. I don't know. Like uh, I know Seth mentioned, like we take for granted. I think a lot of gyms take for granted that when people come in, they're scared. Because they might want to lose weight and they might want to get bigger or leaner, but like, what's the reasoning behind it and how do we support it? Especially when like somebody's going to come in thinking like, I want to lose 20 pounds in like one month. And you realize like, that's not really realistic. And even if you pull it off, like maintaining that's going to be a thing, but setting them up that they could just know that they have a safe place to go to exercise and make it a habit to keep it consistent. Cause that's where the glory lies, right? It's not in your one workout. It's in your like a hundred workouts. And it's not that you need to like vomit or piss blood. It's that you need to show up, move well and safely, push yourself, you know, with a reasonable limit and keep at it. It's so true. And I think as coaches, we need to recognize that when people are coming in, they're comparing themselves to everybody else in there initially. And you have to help them realize that they're at a different point in their journey and their journey is going to be unique and they can't compare themselves to anybody else because no one's ever going to have the exact same experience and everybody's starting from a different place. And it sounds like you guys really have an atmosphere that encourages everybody to realize their journey is unique. You want one of our, one of our main principles is running your own race. And we really, I think probably nail it harder than anybody on our onboarding of new ninjas. We call our members ninjas of like setting that emotional expectation, not just like, here's how you're going to deadlift and hear how it goes into becoming a kettlebell swing, but like the emotional thing of what you're going to see in that class when like people are swinging and you're not ready to swing yet, but be patient. You'll own it. Don't rush it. They all spent their time. Um, if that person's like using something heavier, don't compare yourself. You don't know where they are on the journey, but feel comfortable with it. Because we're not trying to set up competition in that aspect, right? Where like, that's a great competition can be a great way to build community. Ours isn't so much about that. Ours is just simply about building community by trying to be better. And if you get that going in and you set that expectation up quickly, it really puts people at ease. And I know like one of the things we'll get at MFF is like, and I felt this immediately as an employee when I first started, you know, coming from a martial arts gym to a place where people are hugging all the time. I was like, I've never met people this nice. Like, I've just never been around this. Is this even real? But then you're in it for a little and you're like, people will come up. Members will be like, 
this is really real. You guys like love each other and you're actually like really care about us. And it's like, yep, that's actually as, as, as marketing as that sounds, it's true. Like we just want to help you because there's other careers to make more money in. Uh, I can get my hours back, you know, doing something else, but I want to be doing this because I know there's the good in it and I want to do it with these people and these organizations. It's not just training. It's also teaching. It's teaching that, you know, you can start at this level and we're going to progress you there because so often trainers just think they need to give people like sort of what they think they want. They think they want, you know, this gnarly workout or to be doing whatever. But sometimes it's teaching them to appreciate the journey and teaching them the progression so that they get there and they prevent injury, they move better, they stay consistent. I I love that you guys not only train, but you teach. Oh, absolutely. We don't want you to necessarily need to be with us. You know, we want you to want to be with us. So when we have one of the things that's, I think, builds our community is we share like a ton of education, um, whether it's about nutrition, emotional stuff, uh, clearly how we teach movement there and how we pace that out. We want them to know. So what's great is we, you know, we get a lot of fitness nerds out of the ninjas that really want to probably, I got to tell you, there's like an army of ninjas that know way more on nutrition than I do because they've gone down all the rabbit holes because they got like nerded out on it, right? They got excited about it. Um, It's really cool to see. And again, you know, the big thing is when somebody comes to the gym and they want to, our goal isn't just to get them their physical needs, right? It's like strength training is like to improve your overall quality of life. So that's like we're like a base level step where people can kind of like make that adjustment and make that habit. But we have people that will come in and they, they deal with like, you know, they soak up what we're doing and they'll quit their job that made them miserable because they're realizing like, you know, it's going nowhere. Kind of like what we talked about, about not making the move. We've had people come out of the closet when they, you know, finally start to feel comfortable and find this place. Um, it's so much about life mastery and self mastery than it is just about like losing some weight or getting stronger. It's, it's all one thing, right? Here's my quote, right? Henry Rollins, strength reveals itself in character. As people learn the habits of coming in consistently to the gym, as people get stronger, that carries in a life that becomes who you are. And I think a big part of it is the culture, too, that you created, calling people ninjas coming in and the unicorns. I mean, I think all of that ties into making people feel comfortable. Oh, definitely. And the great thing about it is like that was like was like organic. It wasn't like day one, we're going to call people ninjas and the unicorns are a thing that like grew out of it. Um, and, and so that really helped us become authentic about it as opposed to like a, a marketing thing, because, you know, people will try to copy some of that. And if it's not real, people catch up and then you just look like a douche. Right. And I mean, that, that's always how it works if you go in trying to be fake. But it sounds like all of this is just from being real and, like you said, organic. And it just kind of takes over and becomes its own snowball of culture. Oh, absolutely. Like our Ninja Army, our, our membership, like I just we just work with like the greatest people. And it, it's, it's just such a, a pleasure to meet like such a diverse group. Um, you know, and I, I want to say this, and this is like a little bit political, but you know, when people are talking about like, you know, there's this bashing against safe spaces right now, um, you know, in politics, not to get political for a moment, but MFF is viewed for a lot of people as the safe space. And there's this feeling that safe spaces are like this place where nothing bad can happen. But like our safe space is where like in fitness through fitness, people are challenging every single one of their inner demons, right? Like that is like way different than just like, Everyone gets a medal. And I think that's part of our community is we've created this safe space that people can like really take time to invest and learn about themselves. 
I'm kind of nodding like a crazy person because I'm loving everything that you're saying. And it's actually really funny not to get political. But when we had, you know, the the campaigns going on and everything in the gym, I would tell people, you know, this is a safe space where we don't bring any of that outside stuff in. It's it's just for you to have you time, you know, me time so that you can grow and develop. And I would tell people, you know, the only political stuff you need to worry about is the dictatorship of Corey because this (laughs) is the gym and you're here to learn and take time out for yourself. And I love that you have that space where people can learn and grow. And as you mentioned, it's not just about physical strength. It's about, you know, taking control of your life. Yeah. And I mean, it's a little different. So like the politics have come in very heavy at MFF to some degree because so much of our population is LGBT and it's, it's, it's hard to like not bringing it in when people are coming in emotionally scared and crushed, right? Like it's a, it's a different thing. So I've, I've had, you know, again, through the, the joys of social media, I have friends that, you know, don't think it's such a big deal, just like relax and let it happen. But it's really hard to do that when somebody's actually already getting yelled at or screamed at or grabbed, you know, on the street. Like our gym has to be a place where like they know they can talk about that if they need to. Um, we're actually going to have like, we have these, uh, Michael Liddick, one of our coaches, uh, we call him the Jesus of Unicorpia. Uh, he's going to have the, he has these salons where we're actually going to have one that's going to talk about race and diversity. Um, because at some point life hits and we want to be a place where if, if that's, what's addressing you and our population, we want to allow you guys to have a voice, um, to learn and grow together. So it's a really weird thing in terms of like what people view as a safe space and where should a gym stay out of it. And, you know, uh, there is when you build a community, you have to be prepared to like listen to the community and defend the community, um, but also be brave enough that if you don't always agree 100% that that's okay too, right? That's part of like human life. Like we have to be able to hear both points and you could agree or disagree, but I have to respect everyone as a human being. And we just have the most loving people of badasses. Well, I think it too, it goes so much further than just being a gym. And I mean, I think culture is woven into so many different elements now because of, you know, social media is obviously part of it because everybody's opinions are essentially out there in public. So it's so great to see a community that's created around people that feel comfortable being in a space together. Yeah. You know, the other side of this, which we don't talk about much, um, is look, you might come into the gym and be like, man, I'm not into this, uh, the outfits, uh, I don't want to see dildos at my gym. That's a thing. And that's okay. Right. Like I don't want to hear the cursing or the language or the dick jokes or whatever. Right. Uh, and that's okay. We'll accept that. And we'll actually guide somebody to like a gym in the city that we respect. Cause we know, you know, we we're, we're connected with a lot of the great folks and we'll be like, you guys, you should give them a try. Like, you don't, we don't want to make you one of us. We want you to feel at home with us. And grow that way, right? So that's the other thing. Like, we're prepared that if this is a bad fit, like, we get it. Um, So you could try someplace else and we'll guide you on that because we still want to help you on your journey. So that happens sometimes, but not often because usually there's a little bit like, I don't know. And then they go in through a a few sessions and they're like, yeah, I just drank all the Kool-Aid. I get it. You guys are like trying to actually help everybody. But it is important to know your avatar because when you start training, you think, I'm just going to train everybody and anybody and I'll take anybody. And there are people that you mesh better with and knowing your avatar can help you create that community. It can help you create products that speak to that community. So it is important to know, hey, this person is right or hey, this person isn't right, but I'm still going to help them. It's just not going to be here. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say right or wrong. I'd just say agree or disagree, right? Like we're just different. Totally. So when you walk in and you you meet Jesus of Unicorpia, 
<laughs> and then they say, we have this other guy. He's very shy and quiet with a calm temperament. We call him Fury. Can, <laughs> can, you, tell, can you tell us how your nickname came to be? You know what? Yeah, so here's the deal. It's like, this is going to sound lame. Over drinks. Uh, the story is sort of funny, but it's also like the more I've, I've said Kool-Aid it, drinks, right? The, the more I've, no, nah, we can have like tequila. Um, the more that I've told the story sort of publicly, the more I sometimes feel like I sound like an asshole for saying it. Um, so I'm going to keep that one, but let's just say I tend to have a really long fuse. Uh, but when it goes, it's kind of like, uh, embarrassing. <laughs> like it's very quick and embarrassing. Uh, also like little things like people being rude or impolite will like, f- I'll get like flash rage pretty good on that. But again, one of the great things about being at Mark Fisher Fitness, our, our focus on self-development and education, I've learned to wrangle it in. So I'm apologizing that I'm not going to give the full story. Um, but let's just say like I just basically blew up on a neighbor one day and my friend started yelling bald fury. That was the original name. And uh, for years in advertising and visual effects, like my business cards would literally say like bald fury at click three X, whatever company I happened to be at that time. And then when I became started looking towards trainers, I, I have never been on a team. Um, I was a skate punk and a BMXer. Like I just was never on a football or baseball team. So the idea of being called coach was kind of funny to me. And I had some certs, um, but I was like, oh, that sounds funny. Coach Fury. I've never been that guy. And, and now I've sort of evolved to totally being that guy. You've taken on your trainer persona. It's become who you are in reality, not just in the gym. Well, my definition of what a, a coach is is just different, right? It was always like, you know, whistles and clipboards when I was in, you know, high school. It wasn't anything other than that. Uh, and now I just realize, like, it's it's just become who I am. I'm a coach. I help people. On one way or another, I help people. And I just embrace that. And the fury side of it is now really just like I, I can be – the only difference between, like, I'd like to think at least is you and I on this call – uh, on the ca- on the podcast uh, or in a class or at a session is usually it's a variety of my language like how am I like at MFF I tend to curse more if I'm teaching a workshop I curse way less if at all um, my sense of humor is pretty much the same I just sort of tame that down but like there's no word like well I met Fury out at a bar and it was so different I'm just kind of dumber because I'll probably have been drinking um, but you know it, it's that type of thing right so it's not so much about embracing in a persona it's a, I, I sort of found the courage to like fully embrace myself and just be okay with that. I like that. You know, I I have thought of it as a persona, but it is embracing, you know, everything that you are and all the different things that you can offer to other people. Yeah. Like as I talked to you, if we were on video, like there's a wall of Godzilla vinyl toys behind me. <laughs> like, like, so if you see any of my like social media posts or like Godzilla stuff, like it's legit. Like I'm into the, I'm into giant monsters and star Wars. Um, and that comes out when I teach or, you know, and again, like that makes me accessible to some people, but it might also turn some people off. And I'm totally cool to just, if you jive with what I'm putting out there, like, let's go on this together. And if I annoy you, like, I, I'm sorry. And that's cool too. You know, being with MFF, I think you're at the forefront of where the boot camp group training style is. Where do you see that going in the future in terms of shifting with being at the forefront already? You know, I, I just think that the models that are, are are setting up right now, group classes and semi-private training, I think, are where it's at right now, um, for at least being within a facility. I think one-on-one is going to become one of those things that's still great for independent trainers if they can get the rate. And I think, you know, I think already a lot of a lot of facilities are following that semi-private model where if they do offer one-on-one, it's like at an extremely high rate. So I think what I would hope 
is when you hear the you know term boot camp class sometimes that brings like you know an image of varying degrees of like actual educated fitness right um our classes are entirely kettle well except for one of them at, at hell's kitchen are entirely kettlebell body weight and resistance band based and me and harold Gib- gibbons usually program most of the classes aaron thompson just did a killer job on the current round as a, as a guest designer um, but they're focused and there's a reason behind everything in it we actually have to teach the team and explain the reasons why things are in there not only just how to do it and i think better programming is what we're going to find um as these models sort of figure themselves out i don't know if i see like any sort of drastic class paradigm changing other than getting better we're not you know people can view like the disco lights and stuff that we have as a gimmick but beyond that we're not looking to have the surfing class you know the hunger games themed class um in terms of like a perpetual class we might make like a hunger games reference or something like we've definitely done some star wars stuff um but like we're not trying to look for the gimmick within it so our programming, like our, our tagline, Ridiculous Human Serious Fitness, I think more and more you're going to find more boot camp places, hopefully, that have like legit programming, not just feel tired, get sweaty. I think that's great. You're, you're, it's a bright future, you know, community driven, uh, teaching people, not just training. I like it. I'm all for it. Yeah, I'd also say like one of the things that I've noticed, I think a lot of people, based on your business model, when it comes to like class design and classes, you, you can name them anything and, and, and program anything. But whether or not people are really like making like an actual progressive class phase, right? So we have uh, our classes are four week phases and things get progressively harder weeks one through four. And then we change some stuff up, not a complete overhaul because we don't, you know, we want to be let everybody keep learning their skills. Whereas like I know there's a lot of folks that will have like, you know, say they teach 10 classes a week and every class is sort of either made up or slightly pre-programmed differently. And that randomness, I know sometimes feeds a need for variety in your member, but I don't know where that necessarily leaves in terms of like overall growth in the long term. Plus, as a coach or a program designer, like, man, that's a lot of work to put on us uh, or on yourself. So I think like programming and and how people view programming classes is going to get better, I, I would hope. I love it. We do progressions at the gym. I think it's great because you can see, you know, your development, you can see your progress and I just love that answer. But now I have really hard questions for you since that one seemed pretty easy. Are you ready? Uh, I think so. Okay. We have, so. A, <laughs> we have a segment called the Fast Five Fitness Facts. And the first question is, what's your favorite exercise? The get up. What exercise do you hate but love at the same time? Pull-ups. I suck at them. <laughs> I have to work real hard to maintain pull-ups. What's the best book you've ever read? I'm going to count this as three, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We'll allow it. Thank you. Yeah, it's like a set. And what is your favorite pump-up song? Uh, This band, The Bronx, the song is History Stranglers. I've probably lifted more weight to that song than any other song I've ever listened to. They were one of the best bands I've seen live. Oh, dude, they're so good. Um they did a couple of shows on this boat cruise. Have you heard their mariachi band yet? I have not. They have a mariachi El Bronx, and they're just like an amazing, legit mariachi band that are so fun. You should go on, you know, go see them even standalone. 
Uh, they sometimes will headline and sometimes open for the Bronx. Members of the Bronx also have a surf rock band called Pounded by the Surf. But if uh, for those out there, if you like your music aggressive, uh, the Bronx are simply the best. Yeah, I remember my introduction to them. I think they actually opened for Bayside like well, 10 years ago or something. Bayside's another Queens band. They're not quite as aggressive, yeah. but yeah, that, I think that was my introduction. Yeah, I think that initially they were sort of with that, like, you know, uh, sort of bit of emo, hardcore stuff. I saw them with some uh, heavier metal acts, and, and then finally, you know, they started touring on their own, and they're just, they never let down. They never let down. And now they're a mariachi band. Yeah, they've, that's been going on. They have like three, I think three albums now as the mariachi band. It's legit. You should check it out because you're going to think, ah, hardcore punk band like doing mariachi. It's a joke. Like they are amazing songs. All right. So after we check out the mariachi band, if you could train with one person dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, man, I have to go with uh, Henry Rollins on that one. Um, uh, the why behind it, just uh, heavy metal and punk rock and skateboarding just really helped define how I viewed a lot in the world. And certainly I was a massive Black Flag, Black Flag fan. But when I got into like the End of Silence album through Rollins and started reading his books and then certainly like, you know, uh, if you're a coach, you've probably, you know, anybody not speaking to you two directly. The Iron and the Soul was like a game changer to me um, when I was, you know, coming out of high school, early college. Like the Iron and the Soul just like ripped my I think I was in college for that. Just hit home so well. Um, so strongly. So I would love to work out with Rollins, whether that's now when it's more body weight or back then when he's lifting, I would just like just, uh, to have that time, not even talking, just to be like, damn, I'm, I'm with Rollins lifting right now. His comedy is great too. Oh, he's the best man. I mean, you want to talk about like a, a guy that's like just, and, and like living the life in terms of working the life, right? Like it's not sit back and relax. I mean, this cat's, you know, it's not that he's like super old or anything, but he has been going and going and going for decades now. And that's just something I admire. And you can see how he's grown. Like I, I, I went to um, my fiance and I went to one of his spoken words about two years ago in the city. And it was amazing. And then I saw him like at least five times in the mid 90s doing spoken word. And it was amazing then. But like it's just he's become this well-rounded character from just exploring stuff and being open to learning and traveling the world like that's pretty amazing all right well since you're on such a roll i have two bonus questions for you hit me all right so being a southern california kid growing up wearing the half cabs <laughs> what is your favorite skate shoe oh man I, what's, what's your skate shoe of choice uh, airwalks had a mid before airwalks oh, like folded Airworks had in like '92. That was the that was the jam. Yeah, Airworks had a mid that like it didn't. They, when Airwalks first came out, if you you you'll probably remember this. They had like they were like really crazy moon boots. They had all this like rubber stuff on them, and they had lace savers. But then they finally came out with this mid, and I always loved like the the olive green version, and I would try to get that sneaker as much as possible. Um, Vans unfortunately never fit my feet so well. I had wide feet, so I would ride a lot of Airwalks and a lot of Etnies. Okay. Awesome. And last question. Your favorite Kung Fu movie? Oh, that is so hard. Um, <laughs> that's a great question. Nobody has ever asked. Save the best for last. In terms of like global relevance. All right. I'm, I'm going to cheat this. I'm going to give you a few. Look, gro global relevance, though it's not his greatest movie. It's probably had the biggest impact. You got to go with Enter the Dragon. Uh, I went to film school wanting to make Jackie Chan films. Uh, so I'm going to have to go with Police Story 1 
as my favorite Jackie Chan film. If you haven't seen that, uh, his stunts in that are just absolutely insane. When you were when you were going to ask me like who to work out with, Jackie Chan would be the number two person I'd want to work out with. Uh, and then in terms of sheer art, I would have to go with Once Upon a Time in China too with Jet Li and Donnie Yen, who I'm so stoked is getting his due now in that Star Wars movie. Great answer, and I think that getting you and Jackie Chan and Henry Rollins in a room would be pretty amazing. I might explode, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we might test that, that long fuse you were talking about. It would explode for a different reason. Uh, yeah, it would be like spontaneous combustion of just pure joy. I, I think I'd leave a pile of blood and glitter. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you so they can follow up? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, CoachFury.com is the best place to find out, like, basically all the info. I put all my latest blogs up there. It's also, so I do teach for Original Strength. I do teach for DVRT uh, and the RKC, as well as I'm a mentor in Strength Faction, which is Todd Bumgarner's, Mike Connolly's, and Chris Merritt's uh, online um, online training for trainers program, which is amazing. If anybody's like a newer trainer or a veteran looking for some accountability and some extra wisdom, man, check out Strength Faction. But if you go onto my website, you'll be able to see if I'm coming in town with like an original strength workshop or an HKC, RKC, or DVRT. Um, I'm constantly traveling around doing that stuff. Come visit me at Mark Fisher Fitness. Uh, follow me on Facebook slash Coach Fury. But uh, the, the, the website now, which I just redesigned before the new year, is like the best portal. If you're interested in online training that has the information to reach, on me, reach me there, I do that as well. Uh, yeah, and just say hi. Great, Fury. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you so much, guys. This was super fun. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. For the show notes and more episodes, visit redefiningstrength.com.